Hello, I'm Rachel Bavin from the Oncology Network. Welcome to the Oncology Podcast's Experts on Point series. How can we distinguish between fear of cancer recurrence and generalized anxiety? How can we measure fear of recurrence and how can we best screen for it? What screening tools are available which can realistically be incorporated into everyday practice? Join me in conversation with Dr. Ben Smith to discuss his recently published paper on a single item fear of cancer recurrence screening measure. Ben is a senior research fellow and Cancer Institute New South Wales Career Development Fellow. He has a particular interest in fear of cancer recurrence, digital health interventions and underserved populations impacted by cancer, such as culturally and linguistically diverse and First Nations communities. And just a reminder that to access all of our free podcasts, including our popular series on diagnostics called Beyond the Slide, registered healthcare professionals are invited to join the Oncology Network. Head over to oncologynetwork.com.au to find out more. It's free and registration only takes a moment. This is Rachel Babin, and this is the Oncology Podcast. Hi, Ben. Welcome to the Oncology Podcast's Experts on Point series. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So I'd like to start with a personal question, if I may, just to help the listeners to connect with you. Why did you choose a career in psycho-oncology research? Well, initially I was interested in just the way that people think and behave in relation to their health coming from a psychology background. And it's kind of by chance that I ended up working, focusing on oncology. I was fortunate to be supervised by Professor Phyllis Budo and Alona Yuraskova at Sydney Uni, who I guess two of the big names in psycho-oncology during my honours year and they got me really interested in that topic and I guess what's kept me in the field is not so much I guess the kind of experimental work that I was doing back then looking at how different types of information impacted on our decision making but more so now I guess doing more applied kind of research that hope can actually I guess make a difference to the psychosocial well-being of people living with and beyond cancer. Yes, and the group of people living with and beyond cancer these days is a bigger group all the time. So we'll move on to what we're here to discuss today. So you've got a paper out recently on a fear of cancer recurrence screening measure. So for Mm -hmm. the broader audience, perhaps you could start by setting the scene for us. What is fear of cancer recurrence? As you said, Rachel, there are more and more people now living with and beyond cancer, sometimes referred to as cancer survivors. And fear of recurrence is incredibly common fear, worry, or concern that cancer could come back or progress. We know that it affects almost all cancer survivors to some degree. And to a certain extent, it's quite a normal or natural reaction to having to go through being diagnosed and treated for a life-threatening disease. But for some survivors, it reaches a point where it can really cause a lot of distress and interfere with their everyday lives and not only their quality of life, but that of the people around them as well. Mm. So what are the kind of impacts cancer survivors with fear of recurrence would typically experience? So it's commonly associated with anxiety and depression, so mental health 
impacts for the cancer survivors themselves. It's also associated with poorer quality of life in general. And we see that this can particularly impact on things like the social and family related aspects of quality of life. So it can impact on their ability to really relate to those people around them and engage in things like planning for that future holiday that they might have always dreamed of going on, you know, and even their ability to function in everyday roles like uh, performing their work or family kind of responsibilities. And it's also, it not only affects the cancer survivors themselves, but it's pretty well established now that it affects caregivers too, and sometimes to an even greater extent than the survivors themselves. And it doesn't just have that individual or familial impact, but it also leads to greater utilization of healthcare resources. So it's got some important implications for, I guess, us working in the healthcare system as well in terms of both over and in some cases under utilization of services such as formal cancer screening. Mm, interesting. Thank you. So screening tools for fear of recurrence is what we're here to talk about. Now, these tools aren't new. So why were the previous tools not really up to the job? So there's lots of measures of cancer, fear of cancer recurrence that are out there, but these have primarily been used in a research context. And so there are screening tools which might have been used, for example, to identify people living with and beyond cancer who might be suitable for a, a trial of an intervention for fear of cancer occurrence, where you want to ensure that people have a certain level of fear of occurrence that would warrant intervention and where you could expect to see some kind of improvement. But the most commonly used tool is called the fear of cancer occurrence inventory short form. It's nine items. And you, as you can imagine, fear of occurrence while it's an incredibly common issue for cancer survivors, it's not the only issue that they face. So if we were to ask or have nine items assessing every issue that a cancer survivor experiences, and we were to ask those questions as part of routine care, you'd have a list a couple of pages long of mm. questions that people needed to complete. And that's just not feasible when you're trying to conduct psychosocial screening as part of routine care. And I guess what I and the people, my colleagues that I'm working with are trying to achieve is to is move a lot of the great work that's been done on fear of cancer occurrence in the research context into clinical practice. So we need tools to do that that are you know, brief and simple to interpret for both the survivors themselves and the healthcare professionals who are looking at the responses to these tools and so that's what the goal of evaluating this single item measure for fear of cancer occurrence was. That's very interesting yes because you know the clinical trial context as you mentioned is such a different kettle of fish as we would say <laughs> from just an everyday you know you've got five minutes to sit down and talk to your healthcare professional about something so I think it's a very interesting approach to bring all of this, you know, as you say, a big body of research now into practical use that's feasible for all the different teams to deliver. Yes. Yeah. I guess 
as I mentioned, that's where the focus of my work and the, the work that I'm doing with, with colleagues around Australia and internationally is to really, I guess, link people in with some of the great interventions that have been developed for fear of cancer occurrence and develop tools that can be integrated into existing psychosocial screening efforts. I mean, there's no point creating a tool that might be great at assessing or screening for fear of cancer occurrence if it doesn't fit with other tools presently being used. And so that was one of the real focuses of this study was to create a tool that could easily be integrated with one of the most commonly used tools for screening for psychosocial issues in cancer, which is the Edmonton Symptom Assessment System, which is commonly used in Australia, but also places like Canada where it's developed. So could you talk us through the study design and what you did? So essentially we wanted to test two main questions. Firstly, did this single item fear of recurrence measure actually measure fear of cancer occurrence effectively? And then secondly, could it be used to differentiate people who had mild or what you might consider normal levels of fear of occurrence from people who had more clinically significant levels that would benefit from some form of intervention. So the way that we did that was to look at how administer this single item alongside established measures of fear of occurrence, longer, more comprehensive measures, and also measures of other outcomes that we thought would be related to fear of occurrence, such as anxiety or intrusive thoughts or another thing that's thought to drive fear of occurrence is maladaptive metacognitions or beliefs about worry. And we looked at how scores on the single item measure correlated with scores on those other more comprehensive and related measures. And now can you talk us through the results? What did you find out? So we were pleasantly surprised, I guess, by how well this single item measure seemed to capture fear of recurrence. There was a very strong correlation with this kind of gold standard measure, the fear of cancer recurrence inventory short form that's previously been widely validated and used, and also moderate correlations with other related outcomes such as anxiety and intrusive thoughts. So this suggests that, yeah, this tool does effectively measure fear of cancer occurrence. And secondly, when we looked at the scores on single item measure and how they related to scores on the fear of cancer occurrence inventory short form, which has a cutoff or actually two cutoffs to differentiate between people with mild subclinical and clinical levels of fear of cancer occurrence, we found that in general the scores, as you scored more highly on the single item measure, you're more likely to be in that clinical range on the fear of cancer occurrence inventory short form. And in particular, we found a score of five or greater out of 10 had really good sensitivity in terms of picking up people with fear of cancer occurrence according to this gold standard measure, but also specificity, so differentiating between fear of cancer occurrence and kind of other related 
forms of distress or anxiety. Mm. And so why is it important to distinguish between fear of recurrence and the more generalized anxiety or stress? Well, I think it's for some cancer survivors, those two things, so fear of recurrence and more generalized anxiety or distress may overlap and that they commonly do. There's Mm. also a group of survivors for whom their anxiety is very much focused on the possibility that the cancer could come back or get worse and they wouldn't necessarily be picked up by these more general measures of anxiety or distress. So I guess the outcomes are the same in that we'd like to, I guess, offer support to both of those people that fit into either of those groups and to some degree the type of support that's offered may be the same but it's important that we you know target the support that's offered and you know don't miss the people who have these very specific fears of recurrence because we're using a more general kind of measure of anxiety or distress. Mm, That's actually really fascinating and completely explains the rationale behind this work in as much as you say it needs to be something practical that can be easily integrated with other tools but the fact that there is that nuance that some of these other tools just aren't picking up that small group of patients with very specific fears. Yeah and I think the drivers for those fears could be quite different to someone with more generalized anxiety with the main difference being, as I alluded to earlier, that having these fears is actually quite a rational thing for many people with a history of cancer, whereas the kind of thoughts or worries that someone with more generalized anxiety might have may be less rational and more amenable to kind of more traditional forms of cognitive behavioral therapy where they you know, you're challenging irrational thoughts and trying to change those thoughts. Whereas a lot of the approaches to managing fear of recurrence that have been found to be most effective don't try and change the contents of the thoughts or they're not trying to eliminate those thoughts by telling people that they're not rational or replacing Mm -hmm. them with a more rational thought. They're actually trying to change the way that people engage with those thoughts so kind of focus on these worry processes so learning to live better with those thoughts rather than trying to eliminate them so yeah different approaches to treating it as well and in your experience does fear of recurrence occur across all cancer types or are there any particular tumor types which elicit more fear interestingly despite what you might expect in terms of people with more advanced cancer or with diagnosed more with poorer prognosis cancers and who might receive more treatment you'd think that those groups may have higher levels of fear of recurrence and that is true to an extent but there's actually a very limited relationship between some of those clinical variables and fear of recurrence which is really I guess highlights the importance of screening because it's not easy for clinicians to pick out people 
who are likely to have fear of recurrence based on the type of cancer they've had or, or what kind of treatment they've received. And I guess that's why the most common correlates of fear of recurrence, younger age and female gender. So that gives you, I guess, something to go by if you're trying to identify people in clinical practice. But there's really the strongest predictors of fear of recurrence are more psychological kind of processes like these intrusive thoughts that I mentioned or the maladaptive beliefs about worries which aren't easily perceived in clinical practice. So that's why these screening tools are so important because it's just not something that's easy to pick up in clinical practice otherwise. And what about picking up in diverse populations? So you recently also published on fear of recurrence among Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women diagnosed with breast cancer. So could you briefly talk to us about this work as well? Yeah, so I guess in those populations, well, what we found in that particular study, certainly a small study, so these are, I guess, preliminary results that need to be validated in, in larger research studies, but we found that it appears that First Nations women with breast cancer have worse severity of fear of recurrence and the prevalence clinically significant levels was almost double in that population compared to the general population of cancer survivors. And we also did some qualitative interviews with those women and a lot of the same, I guess, factors underlying or contributing to fear of cancer recurrence came up. So For instance, you know, being more fearful leading up to follow-up appointments or fear being triggered by experiencing physical symptoms or side effects. So there was a lot of overlap there, but we did see some interesting findings relating to, I guess, the general disadvantage that a lot of First Nations people experience when it comes to their health. So because chronic illness and comorbidities are particularly prevalent in that population, they were, those other conditions were exacerbating fear of recurrence. And I guess because a lot of the women that we spoke to had direct or family experience of somebody who might have been affected by cancer or another chronic illness that had, you know, a poor outcome at the end of that illness, that tended to feed into these fears and exacerbate them. And ultimately, there just wasn't really any or very limited amount of culturally appropriate information or support available for these women. And that, I guess, really embraced some of the strengths of these populations, such as their connection with community and culture and, Mm. I guess, enabled them to draw on those strengths in dealing with their fears. Thank you. And so what happens when clinical fear of recurrence is identified? What kind of help is available to patients? And is there something, the kind of help that might be offered, would it be the same in metropolitan areas as it might be in regional areas? So I guess the type of help that you might offer depend on the severity of fear of recurrence and this kind of links with some other work that I'm doing with colleagues from the Psycho-Oncology Cooperative Research Group and, well, other 
colleagues around Australia where we're developing a clinical pathway for fear of recurrence, so which essentially involves delivery of a stepped care model for fear of recurrence based on the severity of fear reported. So if someone yeah, only reported mild levels, you might refer them to psychoeducational materials that were such as the ones offered by the Cancer Council or Australian Cancer Survivorship Centre. If someone experiences or reports severe fear of recurrence, there are therapist delivered face-to-face interventions such as Conquer developed by POCOP or the Psycho-Oncology Cooperative Group, where a specialist trained psychologist would deliver a five-session intervention. I guess where there's less robust evidence but emerging evidence is how we best deal with a substantial group of cancer survivors and it's about 40% that report moderate but still burdensome levels of fear of recurrence and you know when you just think about the number of cancer survivors in Australia at the moment which is around a million that equates to about 400,000 people so you know it's a lot of people to try and deliver support to and that's where online interventions are offering some promise we've been developing a self-directed digitally delivered version of conquer fear called iConquerFear and that's shown some promising preliminary results in breast cancer and we're currently conducting a pilot randomized weightless control trial in ovarian cancer survivors. The other interventions that I guess have some promise in that area in terms of trying to address this on a broader scale are getting non-mental health professionals so oncologists themselves or oncology nurses to deliver brief interventions as part of routine care and People like Dr. Jenny Liu have done some great work developing an inter- intervention called Cypher, which is designed to fit in with a standard kind of oncology follow-up consultation. And so what's next? Is the ideal that you will be routinely screening all cancer patients for fear of recurrence? That's what I think we should be heading towards. I guess there's probably some concern from certain people that unless we have something to offer people once we identify that they have fear of recurrence, then perhaps screening isn't warranted. And I can understand that argument to a degree, but I think the alternative for me is essentially ignoring the fact that there are a lot of people out there with fear of recurrence and just because we're not measuring it doesn't mean it's not there. And as I said, we're working towards figuring out exactly what we should do for people reporting different levels of fear of recurrence. But even if we don't have that entirely sorted out just yet, I think it's important that we at least try and document this in clinical practice, perhaps as a way to increase the degree of recognition amongst healthcare professionals and administrators that this is an issue that really needs to be addressed as part of routine survivorship care and I guess take steps to put those processes in place to manage fear of recurrence more effectively. Excellent, thank you. Now you did mention that UNSW are currently seeking expert consensus on the proposed clinical pathway for fear of recurrence. 
Now, I'm sure this is something that a lot of our listeners might be able to help you with. So if you wanted to share some more details about this, this is a good time. Yeah, so essentially what we've come up with is a proposed pathway for screening, assessment and triage, and then intervention for fear of cancer occurrence that is matched to a person's level of fear. And that's based on a review of the you know, best evidence to date and I guess the expertise of this multidisciplinary steering group that are guiding this project. But what we really need now is input from healthcare professionals and researchers with either experience in managing fear of recurrence or expertise in addressing that from undertaking research on the topic to ensure that we can make that clinical pathway as feasible to deliver in practice as possible and also as helpful to patients as possible. So, yeah, very much looking for as much feedback as we get from across various disciplines, so medical, psychology, allied health, general practice, palliative care. We want a diverse set of feedback and hopefully you can put the link to the survey in the show notes. It's just basically people rating their level of agreement with all their different proposed components of the pathway. We can include a link and we can include the flyer that you have for that as well. So I should just mention before we wrap up, listeners, that I will be coming back on the show in a couple of weeks' time to talk about another research project on patient decision-making in localized prostate cancer. So you'll be hearing from him again soon. We will share details of this on our usual social media channels and on our websites, which includes oncologynews.com.au, which is in the public domain. Just a little shout out for any listeners who aren't healthcare professionals. So thank you very much for your time today, Ben. I really enjoyed our discussion. Thanks, Rachel. And we'll look forward to chatting again soon. Indeed. You've been listening to the Oncology Podcast's Experts on Point series, brought to you by the Oncology Network. To hear more podcast episodes, head over to our oncology portal at www.oncologynetwork.com.au. Registration is free for healthcare professionals and will give you access to exclusive content, such as our fantastic diagnostic series, Beyond the Slide. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your colleagues. And just a quick sneak preview, in our next episode of Experts on Point, I chat to Ashley Hopkins and Ganesh and Kitchen Dassey about ChatGPT and its potential to revolutionize the way patients search for cancer information. This is Rachel Babin, and this is the Oncology Podcast. Podcast.